Today, we're watching Star Trek, The Next Generation. When the Borg reemerge and assimilate a colony, the Enterprise finds itself on the front line of a war. But the stakes rise even higher when the Borg capture Picard and head towards Earth. From June 16, 1990, it's Season 3, Episode 26, The Best of Both Worlds, Part 1. Or, let's see you cancel us now, CBS. <laughs> oh, I'm Cam. That's Dan. And this is the most daring end of season in history. you imagine what this must have been like to see it real time? Oh, the stakes. Although, we're halfway into June when this premieres, and there's so many episodes, TV comes out, like, again immediately. They take the summer off, but it's back in September, folks. But still, When did they do upfronts? When did they announce these things? They do upfronts in May now. Like, did they do upfronts at the end of June? When did they announce the renewal? Cameron, tell me about the saga of this did they think they were getting canceled and they were forcing CBS's hand, like I presume? Actually, our beloved Mr. Pickard was not sure if he wanted to return for a fourth season. Shut up. Yep. Are you serious? I am serious. And I mean, the it man wasn't... who was drug out of retirement, kicking and screaming for Star Trek Picard, was unsure of his future with the franchise that would make him America's second favorite bald man. At this point, nobody knew how big Howie Mandel would become, but still. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, it... I just, I honestly can't imagine what it must have been like to watch this and to have to wait three months. And I mean, I kind of can, because we had to deal with Game of Thrones. But Plus, you remember what it was like to be four years old. So <laughs> I do. I have lots of four-year-old memories. Uh, well, the only good thing about the curfew is I started recording with you early enough my shitty neighbor can't complain about the noise before 10 p.m. So it's true. fuck you downstairs. Indeed. In the face hole. Not the fun one. When you say that, do you mean the ear or the eye? Or the nostril. It depends. <gasps> <laughs> There's only one fun face hole. When fucking comes I don't know. Have you seen the back of Clark's head? <laughs> I have. You know what I call it, right? No. The crevasse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even drunk. I'm just having fun. <laughs> I'm glad. It's going to be a great episode because this is an exceptional episode. But that's enough about that. Here's the thing. On Stardate 43989.1, the Enterprise responds to a distress call from a Federation colony and arrives to discover the colony gone. They suspect the Borg. Starfleet Admiral Hansen arrives on board the Enterprise with Lieutenant Commander Shelby, an expert on the Borg, apparently. Who, <laughs> we don't know how. We don't know why she's an expert. 
you'd think the expert would be on the ship that's actually interacted with them. But it's fine. Not No, I trust the government official I've never met before. <laughs> yeah, especially at this point. Who assists the crew in determining the cause of the colony's disappearance. Hansen informs Captain Picard that Commander Riker has been offered the command of a different starship again and suggests that Riker take it, having turned down twice previously. Although there is tension between Riker and the ambitious Shelby, who wants to take his position as first officer on the Enterprise, they confirm that the colony was assimilated by the Borg. Hansen advises Picard that another Federation vessel encountered a strange cube-like vessel before sending a distress call that ended abruptly. The Enterprise moves to intercept and confronts the Borg. Dun, dun, dun! The Borg demand that Picard surrender himself, which he, of course, refuses. Although initially deferred by the Enterprise's shield modulation, the Borg lock onto the vessel with a tractor beam and begin cutting into the hull. Shelby suggests randomly changing the frequency of the ship's phasers to prevent the Borg from adapting, which temporarily frees the vessel. The Enterprise escapes to a nearby nebula, where our chief engineer our beloved chief engineer, and Wesley Crusher. Adapt a technique suggested by Shelby to modify the deflector dish to fire a massive energy discharge capable of destroying the Borg cube. The Borg flush the Enterprise from the nebula, board the ship, and abduct Picard. The Borg cube moves to high warp speeds towards Sector 001. Earth. <gasps> the Enterprise is in pursuit! Riker, now in command of the ship, prepares to join an away team to transport to the cube and rescue Picard. But... Counselor Troy reminds him that he is now the captain and should be on the goddamn bridge. Shelby leads the away team onto the Borg cube, where they are ignored by Borg drones like they had been previously. The team locate Picard's uniform and communicator and then destroy power nodes inside the cube, forcing it out of warp. As the team prepares to transport to the Enterprise, they see an assimilated Picard. The Borg contact the Enterprise, with Picard front and center stating that he is Locutus of Borg, and that the crew should prepare for assimilation. Riker orders Worf to fire the deflector dish. And so ends The Best of Both Worlds Part 1. It can't possibly end on a cliffhanger. <laughs> the Other season is have. over. Other things have. Well, I certainly hope that they don't keep doing this, where they end a season with part one of a two-parter. Because that'll just get me too invested in this show. Oh. <laughs> it's like they knew what they were doing. This was one of the first times that it had ever happened. And, like, you know, a major character's death was hung up in the air. I mean, this has been parodied so many times where it's like, you know, it just blacks out, and then the music plays where it goes, done, 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 done. I mean, even Family Guy did it. <laughs> of course, Family Guy did it, because as evident by the Orville coming back this fall, God Woo! willing, Seth MacFarlane is just a big old Star Trek nerd. Oh, he is. He's the, he's the biggest. He's such a Trekkie. He makes an appearance on a future series. Ugh, is it going to be Enterprise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But so does Sarah Silverman, so I'm just saying. Oh, God, that's going to be one mouthy alien. <laughs> She's not an alien. <laughs> oh, God, we have so much to get through, and I cannot wait. I seriously cannot wait. But this is a milestone, Daniel. This is, this is the mark of when TNG officially became TNG. 
Season three was great, and it was a start. So what the fuck was I doing for the last 72 episodes? <laughs> you were getting to know and love these people, and that's why I it mean, matters. I mean, I was getting to know them. Don't, li- don't you fucking lie to me. You adore each of these people, except Deanna. And even then, you like- I'm kind of lukewarm about <laughs> O'Brien, I'll be honest. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you made up- an endearing and offensive impression of him. That means that you enjoy someone. I know you well Cameron, enough to know that. Yes, <laughs> I either make fun of you or I don't consider you. That's kind of my deal. I know. I've been friends with you for a long time. Yeah, think about that. 12 years of friendship this 12 fall. 12 years of friendship. And the fall. 12th year of friendship my Cameron gave to me, <laughs> nothing because he forgot. <laughs> I would never. Who do you think I am? I would, I would learn how to make your favorite vegan cake and just ship it because that's how much I care. <laughs> like people okay. are shipping this relationship in this podcast. <laughs> okay, you're trying too hard. It'll happen or it won't. Like, <laughs> calm down, Waxana. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um... Not my finest joke. Sorry about that. No, no, I loved it. It wasn't a bad joke. I was just trying to uh, subvert it into another thing. I mean, yes, we're worlds apart, but you're right here in my heart, Cameron. Right here. I keep you right under my chest here. <laughs> I'll always be warm. This was a really fucking good episode it that really did a was. lot of work. Um, we introduced a new character that could have potentially joined as a regular cast member if Patrick Stewart decided to fuck off. Yep. Was that what they set up? Because they did a lot of character work on her. Like, it, a lot. It was. She's driven. She's here. She's a career woman. Did you see her shoulder pads? <laughs> she has no time for your bullshit. Mm-hmm. She went right over Riker's head. So you know, you know that if she became his number one, uh, when he said, make it so, I, I know. was like, oh my God, he's, he's gone full Captain Phillips. I am the captain now. Truly though. I mean, it's just, there's so much good stuff in this episode. It's... Even the reveal of Picard as the Borg, it still gets me every time. It's still, it's still surprising. To formalize what I loved about this episode, it hasn't aged well, but I adore the painted backdrop for the removed colony. Because it doesn't look great now, but at the time, people must have been like, oh my god, <laughs> that whole colony's missing! Um, there's a hole where the colony should be. I really like how aggressive they allow Shelby to be. Which is like, she ain't got time for your bullshit. And she doesn't have to play nice or be, you know, submissive or whatever. And I, I appreciate that. I like that we, that when Picard becomes uh, Locutus of Borg, which is very Roman, I love that they gave him abs. <laughs> of course. Well, they all had abs, Dan. Right, but it just looks especially like funny on a man who, from the chest up, 
looks like the statue of a Roman leader. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. Patrick Stewart, you, if you took a bust of Patrick Stewart and told me that it was Caesar, I'd be like, oh, totally. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, I He's I got the it. Roman nose, the hairline, like put a, put a, you know, olive crown on his head. He's a Roman dictator. It's great. I really appreciated in this episode that Riker got to ask Deanna rhetorical questions about his future and what he wanted. What do you want, Will Riker? And he was talking about his career, and she was talking about their Them. relationship. What else did I adore? What else well, and there was so much subtext. Guinan. Yes, Guinan. Guinan. <laughs> Coming in for a smooth season three finish. Oh, absolutely. I was like, you know, I was feeling like it was time to check in with my gynecologist. And <laughs> here we are. That whole scene between her. I can't believe you're still pushing that joke. I'm not pushing, Cameron. I'm relaxing and letting it happen. <laughs> I mean, I love it every time. Of but... course. Never in my life has a joke involved a speculum until now. <laughs> I think the whole scene between Picard and Guinan is perfect. It is perfect. It is perfect. The adapting for new frequencies and the shield work, like they, they try to be ahead of the curve and they're working on shit and they're trying to innovate. And the Borg ship felt more intimidating this time, even though, and we'll get to it, I had some issues where I was just like, come on, Borg, come on. And it just, what a fucking cliffhanger. Right? What a goddamn the, cliffhanger. The cliffhanger. If you were hanging off on any more of a cliff. This is the end all be all cliffhanger. Because it's like, that's, that's what it always comes back to me as. Is Can you imagine what it must have been like to be a Trekkie who ended on fire and had to wait three and a half months for this to come back? It felt like not the same kind of impact. Like not for the same reasons, but the same, but a similar cultural impact to "I am your father." Yes, it felt a little bit like that. In like, I can't believe they did that, or or a just a holy shit moment in a franchise. Or like in Game of Thrones, if they would have, if they would have ended it before he got stabbed twenty six times, and just had them surround him and then cut to black. It, that's what it was like. That's what it would have been like. Is no closure, no idea what's coming. I don't know, because they decapitated Ned Stark, and there was very little after that before the season ended, where you were just like, uh, what? It's true. God, remember when Game of Thrones was like an all-consuming thing because it was amazing? I do. And the best television we'd ever seen? I do. I remember it fondly. Four and a half seasons of glory. Ugh. And then Quick it went bar. to their heads, Daniel. <laughs> Quick sidebar. Um, in the anime world, there's a show called Full Metal Alchemist. I'm, I'm familiar with Full Metal Alchemist. They started producing that anime before the manga it's based off of was finished. And it ended up very different from where the manga ended up. Several years later, they got the exact same voice cast and the same animation studio, and redid it as Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, went a little bit darker, a little more true to form, and ended it exactly like the manga. And my hope and prediction is that HBO will reboot a Game of Thrones 
years from now as a song of ice and fire once all the books are done and they can do it right. I hope so. Even if it's just an anime. I'm into it. I just I just finished binging Avatar the Last Airbender and all Aww. of my love was completely even though I haven't seen it since 2008. It's so good. It's the best. I I want to get an avatar tattoo. <gasps> I would totally get an avatar tattoo with you. I want to get the four nation symbols like right here. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> or an Uncle Iroh. I'm getting a tattoo on my 30th. I don't know if uh, what I'm going to do yet, but front contenders are a Steven Universe tattoo or a Star Wars tattoo, so we'll see. I still need to get my birthday tattoo. Anyways, is there anything else that was amazing about this episode that you want to highlight? I just, it's still, it still feels to me exactly the same as when I first saw it. And I mean, I was very fortunate. I saw this on Sci-Fi in like 2002, and they ran the episodes directly together, and I still was overwhelmed with their choices, the brilliant choices that the writers made. And I just, it, I had no idea what was coming. I had absolutely no idea. And I mean, it wasn't until later that I read about, you know, contracts and more money and blah, 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 blah. But even oh, was that the dispute? Of course. Peace, do you swarthy dog. <laughs> He knows what he needs. <clears throat> he knows what he's worth. Yeah, that's that's the truth. But he also... You're yeah. welcome to have the Enterprise run by William Riker. <laughs> I'm sure everyone will find his Shakespearean essence to be an invigorating presence on this ship. <laughs> but yeah, it just still, it boggles my mind that... It's so gutsy and so brave and so unbelievable. In fact, the writers have even said they wrote it because they weren't sure what was going to happen, and then they had to fix it. With part oh, they two. have to fix it? No, I mean, like, they said they had to write them. They wrote themselves into a corner here, and then they had to write themselves out for part two. Which is the best thing you can do. Your best writing like that. And they had to write themselves out, and it was hard. And it ended up turning out exceptionally well, which I hope you will agree with. But I can't imagine being in this position. What if I hate part two and we have to end the podcast? I don't think that's going to happen. If you survived after the original series in its entirety, you'll be fine. <laughs> but to be fair, there's moments of such brilliance that has nothing to do with science fiction or even good television. It's just like three dudes who really got along. <laughs> that's it. It's You're just goddamn right. That's all it is. And there's yep. snark and there's chemistry. So mm -hmm. much chemistry. I felt like in the original series I was watching Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and I looked through to the lens of Dan Austin and Clark. And now that I'm in the original, now that I'm in the next generation, I see so many relationships versus the, the, the original three is what the original series is. That now I see myself as all of the characters and I'm in relation with myself because I'm an egomaniac. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but... Yeah. Good, because only what I say matters. <laughs>
obviously. I've listened to these podcasts. How <laughs> goddamn dare you? <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't I couldn't resist. It was too good a setup. Um No, that was mwah, perfection. Was there anything about this episode, anything at all, where you went, well, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, the Borg costumes are better, but they're still nowhere near what they should be. And that's honestly the case throughout this entire series. I'd forgotten. I just automatically put Borg in first contact costumes, and because the budget was so glorious and because the makeup was exceptional, it just... I always picture the Borg as first contact Borg, and these so are So I assume when you say first contact Borg, you don't mean egg beater for a hand? Yeah. I mean, this is better. This is better than they have been. It, it, is, it is better, but like the second or third season of a community theater in Anchorage, it still has a ways to go. Yeah. They went from you know having no budget to having a $100 budget to having a $200 budget. Like I say, uh, the alien meets the Cybermen. That's what it looks like. But we're kind of getting the worst from each right now. It's getting better, but it's, yeah. Anything else that just, like, made you viscerally angry? That's, that's pretty much it. Um, I also, <laughs> there are a couple moments where it just, and they're very small. It just felt like a second too long, but, like, I wish the Borg would have transported on the bridge immediately. Mm-hmm. The couple tiny scenes in between feel like a waste of time. I wish they would have, as soon as they locked on, just done it. Because yeah. they had the capability. It's also, uh, there was one other, speaking of awkward transitions, there was one really bad transporter moment with Worf <laughs> after their Borg encounter. Where he just like awkwardly stands up and half leans against the wall before yep. they get transported. It's just like, yeah, no, don't worry, just like get up and then we'll transport you. I it was, was like, like the direction, that... and then he just <laughs> slowly got up and just kind of leaned back and was like, "I'm waiting for the usual PA who points to me when I know I've been transported, so I can hold that position." But they're chatting to someone. <laughs> I totally made a mark of that too in my notes. Um, and I was like, I guess at the academy they teach appropriate posture so you don't end up stuck together. <laughs> I, I can't stand upright, but I can suck my own dick, so who cares? Which one? <laughs> um, also, while we're talking about bad things, General, what's his fuck? Admiral, what's his fuck? Admiral J.P. Hansen, uh -huh. which already sounds like a child molester. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, just an old man's fantasy. Gross. I know, so He's like gross. super into Lieutenant Commander Shelby, and I'm like, you just called her the Borg expert who's leading your military charge, and as soon as she's out of the room, you're like, well, talk about hot stuff, eh, Picard? <laughs> Just see the legs on that skirt. I'm like, you're gross. We're at war. And Get it's the 24th it century. Ugh. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I also was very confused that they're like, well, it's clearly the Borg and we're going to war. Poker, 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 <laughs> poker. Yeah, everybody, we're good for a regular poker game. We cool. got to blow up some steam, though. Right. 
Um, and I want some needless character exposition about how this Shelby person is going to challenge me. So poker, poker, poker. Uh, but it did give us the amazing line that is, I've got to see your whole card. And Riker was too flustered to not go, I'll bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> Buy me some synthahol first. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean, as we were saying before, it's like if you were going to war in the 24th century and had access to a holodeck, it wouldn't be a poker game you were doing. Absolutely not. It would be a poker game. <laughs> I, I wrote down in my notes when the Borg showed up. This has nothing to do with anything. I just wrote, here's Borgy, <laughs> which was fun for me. Also, though, I forgot to mention how much I loved the new the new Borg veneer, like when the ship is flying and it's so beautifully mm-hmm. lit from the inside. Ugh. Yes, it does look better. It does look better. So good. That one long hallway shot is still kind of trash though. The I... like ex- the like interior shot where we all talk together. Yeah, you're right. That was good. That was good. That was good. Weird, weird, weird camera focus issue in the main final battle confrontation scene before the Borg board and steal Picard where they're trying to show Riker and Picard, but Riker's out of focus, but they're trying to do like split focus almost. He gets fuzzy yeah, and grainy is fucking weird. <laughs> uh, also, I, I could, didn't like that he comes to Deanna and complains a 10 forward about his decision making, about his career and everything. And all she has to offer is all he complains and then she goes what do you think <laughs> like he came to you with a problem clearly he wants to know what you think <laughs> she went into counselor mode it's fine um i did actually love the subtext of that conversation in that you know the things that he put on hold for his career is her <laughs> And we're yeah. all aware that it's her. Yeah, they won't be explicit about it. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Will we see them again someday, 30 years in the future, with a preposterous child considering their age? Maybe. It's not a preposterous child. Remember How the How old phase. do you think Deanna's supposed to be? She's the same age as her mother was in the original series. When she, I mean, in The Next Generation, when she's going through the phase. It's fine. <laughs> But she's half Betazoid. It doesn't matter. She should not be capable of bearing children at that age. Unless she's an Italian mother, because they hold the record. 68 years old. Oldest woman to ever naturally conceive and give birth. (laughs) Unless you're talking about the Bible, Daniel. (laughs) Mary was like 13. No, no, not Mary. (laughs) Sarah? I don't like to think about that. Geriatric pregnancies are just horrible. We want a kid. We're both 90, but it's fine. <laughs> that won't end. You're going to be a beautiful ward of the state. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kay. Let's quote this bitch. Yes, I let's. Go ahead, Mr. Riker. You disagree with me? Fine. You need to take it to the captain? Fine through me you do an end run around me again i'll stab you back so hard you'll think you're a first year cadet again may i speak frankly sir by all means you're in my way really how terrible for you all you know how to do is play it safe 
I suppose that's why someone like you sits in the shadow of a great man for as long as you have, passing up one command after another, you little bitch. <laughs> Mr. Worf, dispatch a subspace message to Admiral Hansen. We have engaged the Borg. Commercial break. <laughs> this isn't the end. You say that with remarkable assuredness. With experience. When the Borg destroyed my world, my people were scattered throughout the universe. We survived. As will humanity survive. As long as there's a handful of you to keep the spirit alive, you will prevail, even if it takes a millennium. I cannot wait to find out what Guinan is. Be so good. I just need to know that. This is the third time we've pulled out the captain's chair for Riker. He just won't sit down. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but I'm keeping it. <laughs> Trouble sleeping? It's something of a tradition, Guinan. Captain's touring a ship before a battle. Hmm. Before a hopeless battle, if I remember the tradition correctly. Not necessarily. Nelson toured the HMS Victory before Trafalgar. Yes, but Nelson never returned from Trafalgar, did he? No, but the battle was won. Do you expect this battle to be won? We may yet prevail. That's a... a conceit. But it's a healthy one. I wonder if the Emperor Hieronymus watched the Visigoths coming over the seventh hill, truly realized that the Roman Empire was about to fall. This is just another page in history, isn't it? Will this be the end of our civilization? Turn the page. Beautifully setting him up if he were to never return. I know. I know! You want to be the Borg? Sure. Captain Jordan McCord, you lead the strongest ship of the Federation fleet. You speak for your people. I have nothing to say to you. I will resist you with my last ounce of strength. Strength is irrelevant. Resistance is futile. We wish to improve ourselves. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service ours. Impossible. My culture is based on freedom and self-determination. Freedom is irrelevant. Self-determination is irrelevant. You must comply. We would rather die. Death is irrelevant. Your archaic cultures are authority-driven. To facilitate our introduction into your societies, it has been decided that a human voice will speak for us in all communications. You have been chosen to be that voice. That's why he's the cutest, because he's special. What if we look at this from the mosquito's point of view? Interesting metaphor, Doctor. What is your idea? If we sting them in a tender spot, they might stop for a minute to scratch. Morning. Early bird gets the worm, eh? I've had some interesting results. Commander Shelby. Walk with me, Commander. Early bird. I believe Commander Shelby has aired. I believe Commander Shelby aired. There is no evidence <laughs> of avifaunal or crawling Vermicular life forms on Jerut 4. <laughs> That's not what she meant, Data. 
But you're right. She aired. <laughs> she aired. Boy, did she err. Better call her Air Bud. <laughs> oh, Lieutenant Commander Elizabeth Paula Shelby. God damn. <laughs> Full name, thank you. But then not William Thomas Riker. Tell me, Commander, is serving aboard the Enterprise an ex- as extraordinary an experience as I've heard? Every bit. Good, because I intend to convince Captain Picard that I'm the right choice for the job. Job? Which job? Yours, of course. What's your impression of Shelby? She knows her stuff. She has your full confidence. Well, I think she needs supervision. She takes the initiative a little too easily, sometimes with risks. Sounds like a young lieutenant commander I recruited as a first officer. Perhaps. And perhaps I'm passing the torch? (laughs) Perhaps. We continue to prepare our defenses for the inevitable confrontation, but I must admit, on this night, I contemplate the distinct possibility that no defense may be adequate against this enemy. Strength is relevant. Resistance is futile. We wish to improve ourselves. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service ours. She'd make you one hell of a first officer. (laughs) I already have a hell of a first officer. With all due respect, and he's not bad at a reach around either. <laughs> Rusty trombone, if you know what I'm saying. With all due respect, <laughs> I've been waiting to make the rusty trombone joke with Riker forever. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, with all due respect, sir, you need me, particularly now. Indeed, Starfleet needs good captains. Particularly now. See what I did? Took your words, used them against you? (laughs) Maybe I'm just afraid of the big chair. Make it so. (gasps) (gasps) Sir, the coordinates they have set, they're on direct course for Sector 001. The Terran system. Earth. Got another king in the hole, eh, Data? (laughs) I'm afraid I cannot answer that, Wesley. As you are a newcomer to the game, may I say it is inappropriate for you to ask. (laughs) You're up. If you can't make the big decisions, Commander, I suggest you make room for someone who can. The captain? We were unable to retrieve him, sir. The captain has been altered by the Borg. Altered? He is a Borg! (laughs) I am Locutus, a Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life, as it has been, is over. From this time forward, you will service us. Mr. Worf, fire. Cameron, 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 Cameron. Daniel, Daniel, Since this Daniel. This has so profoundly affected you. I insist you choose the rating system. 
How many Lacutus of Borg six-pack abs would you give this episode? Oh, that's a difficult one. What's four and a half times six? <laughs> mm. It'd be 27. Is that your highest? Is that your highest rating? For the next generation? Yeah. Four and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm giving it a five. It's one of my favorite episodes of all time. It's movie caliber. It is movie caliber. Absolutely. But hey, um, I didn't get a chance to make the Hannah Montana joke, so we got to come back for, you know, part two. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Well, (laughs) after this profoundly moving experience, we have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. So that just leaves one last thing for us to do. And that's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week, but to make it so. And for Dan to say, keep on trekking. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about one of the most important episodes in Star Trek history, shall we? I don't want to talk about the arena. You want to talk you want to talk about the arena? Never. <laughs> ever again. Don't even mention it. Don't I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. All right. So I, I just I have a pretty good corner. What did you say? Make a gun out with a diamond? <laughs> <laughs> diamond gun. Sounds like a bad Bond movie. It really does. Gun made of diamonds. <laughs> Can you fight the lizard man? Can He's right behind you. <laughs> you know who would have to sing that one? Eartha Kit. Oh, you're goddamn right she would. <laughs> is that who you were thinking? <laughs> yes, of course it is. Ah! <laughs> <sighs> we're terrible. <laughs> We're amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You really oh. need to do another Bible Christmas special. That was. Ah, you enjoyed that? Oh, God. It was my favorite. Maybe we'll do an Easter special to the New Testament. <laughs> Ma, you're confused. <laughs> Get her out of here. <laughs> yeah. That I... woman. My favorite is Anne reading. The complete lineage of Jesus. Yep. So good. Oh, I mean, this year's was was pretty fun. Uh, MAGA. <laughs> this year's was pretty fun, but I still have that that second one on here that I listen to regularly. I'm not gonna lie. It's <laughs> it's a fun time. Ma. <laughs> Joseph. Oh God! Yeah, it's a pretty remarkable. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah, I'm having the flying dream again. <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. A Secret Weapon Production.